0: everyone and welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. Lisa Anderson here with you and uh, always giving you a preview of what's coming up. So first up for our inbox, we have a girl who is feeling pressure from the culture to get married but is wondering, does she even need to pursue marriage at all? I'm going to weigh in on this and hopefully give her some thoughts around that topic. And then for our culture segment, counselor and author Deborah Felata is back with us. And this time she's going to talk about mental health. Uh, Mental health, emotional health, we're going to talk about both of those very important topics. And so if you're struggling in that regard, definitely stay tuned. Well, here we are for our roundtable, and we thought this would be a fun conversation to have. In fact, I was telling our panel, I just spoke on this here in Colorado Springs a couple weeks ago, and it ended up being a really fun event and conversation around this topic, kindness amidst disagreements. So what I like to say, kindness in a divided world. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, And this isn't just like... Hi, here are these atheists out there, and they disagree with me, and so I need to be kind to them. This is like being kind to people who disagree with you within the church, within your family, within people mm-hmm. who are closest to you, who you're just like, how could you even think this about this topic or whatever? And we're all getting crazy about it, and we all need to like think differently and, and act differently in light of this. So uh, I'm very excited to have Annie, Charles, and Josh here. Hey, y'all.
1: Hey Hello. Thank you for having
0: us. <laughs> okay, well, we selected you because you're the most contentious people that I could come <laughs> up with <laughs> to be part of this, so we're gonna have fun around this so I actually uh, it was very fascinating when I did this uh, speaking gig. I had people take a little questionnaire at the start of it anonymously, and they had to answer ten true or false questions about various issues about where they stood on them, and it was everything from Uh, the last election, to the COVID vaccine, to moms and homeschooling versus public school education or private. Uh, There were just a number of issues on the table. And it was fascinating because then people had to pass their papers around. So anonymously, they stood up on behalf of the paper that they ended up with. And we took tallies. And the, the fact that so many issues were much more, uh, there was a lot more equal representation than I would have Mm -hmm. expected. You know, you think you're all, because these were largely church people, you know, whatever, but there were some of the issues there that I was like, whoa, both sides represented very fascinating. And so it was a good conversation. So... Sorry, uh, y'all can't be anonymous here. I'm just going to ask you about stuff, and you're going to have to put it on the line, and we're going to get weird and awkward, but that's okay. So let's just start generally. Uh, throw out some things that for you personally, when you hear conversations around these topics, you can tell they either, you know, to parlay a good Gen Z word, they either trigger you or other people, and you're the, you're the, um, you're the recipient of the ire related to that. Or they're just things that you know that you're surprised at kind of a reaction you have in yourself about like, how could fellow Christians believe that? Or what, where did this come from? Or is my experience just different? What would you guys say some of those are for you?
2: It's a great question. Um, You know, as far as being triggered, I've just done a lot of work on trying not to be triggered by anything, but (laughs) discussions around the end times, because Mm -hmm. people, and myself (laughs) included, I mean, we tend to think we have it all figured out. Based on the way we interpret the Bible. So anytime we get in those types of conversations, it's always interesting. But again, I I try my darndest not to not (laughs) Mm -hmm. to get triggered because you hear some weird stuff.
0: You mean just that people are like so passionate about it when you know that reasonable Christians can disagree and you're like, Seriously, are you acting like this is the gospel? Right, as if Jesus told you exactly how it's gonna happen. (laughs) Okay, that's a good one. Good point.
1: I would say a lot of my friends and I disagree on free will versus predestination. Okay. And so they back up Bible verses and um, there's sides for both. So it's kind of like having that agreement or disagreement of where, like, where does everyone stand? But it's interesting because so many people bring, bring to the plate their verses and it's like, okay, well, we know that it's probably not just one and God works in both ways, but you know, he's given that um, to us to kind of decipher in a way because it's not just a blank. Yeah, so
0: So another theological issue. And it's funny because this is where I kind of take issue with God because I'm like, God, why couldn't you just spell that one out? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's (laughs) like everyone's (laughs) arguing about it. Some people just get super wrapped up in it and it's kind of like, wow, it's so interesting to me that that wasn't very clearly articulated. It'll be a great conversation in heaven, I'm sure.
3: One that I see uh, and hear from friends a lot about is just style of church, style of worship, um, preaching on. style. People get, <laughs> they get all up in arms about uh, whether it's hymns or uh, rock concert. And, you know, I do think stylistically there's uh, variants that can happen there. But ultimately, are we like even about Christ or about ourselves and consumeristic? And so the conversations, I've seen those get pretty um, interesting just with people you know, thinking that they're church culture is the way to do it
0: yeah we mm. actually had to have a whole congregational meeting about that at my church because <laughs> we have a pretty we have a lot of like younger folks and we have a lot of older folks and there are folks in between but we do have the polar opposites mm-hmm. and i remember one, there was this event where we were all supposed to be meeting our elders and it was kind of like an ask an elder kind of thing you know and they're just like hey you know what are some questions we can ask? and i remember one precious older saint pulled one of the elders aside when i was there and she said you know the only thing I would ask is that you never get rid of the organ. Mm. <laughs> that you? No, it wasn't Wait, me. Oh, okay. No, I'll I was just like, oh, well bless your heart that of all the things our church could be working on, as long as we hold on to that organ, we're gonna be Oh, uh, you
2: didn't hit her with the bless your heart, did you?
0: I did <laughs> I just said it in my head. I didn't say oh, it okay. to her I, Yeah. Right. I just gave her a yeah, a silent bless your heart. So <laughs> I think that's good. So I mean I think for me, because you know, again, thinking through all these issues like um I've seen people get super worked up, and we'll talk about, you know, the the complete cesspool of social media and how that drives so many things, but... I've seen people get super worked up about the vaccine, where mm-hmm. it was like, if if I love you and you're choosing to get this vaccine, I can no longer even associate with it. I mean, people are so wild about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, politics has become another thing. And women, be- in and all that, women in ministry. Women in ministry, women in pastoral positions and other positions, all of that. Big, big deal. And so I think for me personally, though, I'm surprised at how the politics one gets me because I would say looking through a lot of list of issues, I can be I have an opinion on everything, but I can be generally dispassionate about it. But some of the political stuff where people are clearly taking sides, defending or completely berating the character of certain candidates like either they're entirely evil or they're entirely saintly and there's no middle ground and someone's (laughs) infallible and they're just you know god's emissary of all goodness or and i'm just like come on and then people choosing or saying like who they voted for or what issues they're supporting because well lesser of two evils and stuff like that and I've noticed that I, I get a little worked up in my spirit about that because I... You're getting a little worked up right now. <laughs> I get a little worked up about it because that's where I want to get judgy and be like, yeah, I don't feel like you could hold that position or do that action and still be a believer. Or if you can, how can you reconcile that? And so, yeah, it's weird. yeah um, I think the, again, the the life issue would be a great example of that within politics because, you know, people will say... Oh no, you know, this this candidate can be you know complete off the rails in every area, but as long as they want to save preborn babies, then they're good. Or the opposite of like let's not care about the preborn because look at all these other life issues mm-hmm. like refugees and um mm-hmm. prisoners and you know all that. And I'm like, okay, all of these life issues are important. but it, And so I feel like people are choosing sides and, I don't know, making the other people the enemy. So,
2: And, and in that same way, I mean, we'll look at policy versus mm-hmm. personality.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And eschew personality if it doesn't line up with, <clears throat> excuse me, the fruits of the Spirit. But the policies will... And I almost uh, had a had a, you know, a punny type word, but (laughs) it it supersedes personality that doesn't Mm -hmm. line up Mm -hmm. with the will of God. So, yeah, politics is a huge trigger point for Mm -hmm. many within the body of Christ.
0: Well, and I think what's so interesting is that it used to be and again, you know, here today we're talking mostly to younger adults. And I often say when I say to younger adults, you know, I I'm not even sure I remember necessarily this time, but I feel like I do in some ways. Uh, But if I were to talk to my parents or any of our grandparents, there used to be a day where neighbors just got along because you knew your neighbors long before you were able to state your positions on polarizing issues. You just like mowed your lawn next to people. Mm -hmm. You went to the PTA together. You were probably in some bridge or supper club, you know, (laughs) going back to the 50s (laughs) or 60s now. And it was all, and people weren't, People kind of thought the same way on a lot of things. And so it was just easier. So when you disagreed, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, crazy Ron, he believes that. But it was okay because he wasn't crazy on other stuff. But now it's just like you go on someone's social pages and they broadcast their views on everything. And by that alone, you're like, can't be his friend, can't (laughs) be her friend, cut them off. You know, so we're just in our tribes. How do you guys avoid Tribalism, whether it's online, whether it's in your own church, whether it's how do you be willing, how do you make yourself be willing to keep your ears open and in relationship with people?
1: I think for me i um I know so many people have like disagreements about things, and for me, when I'm facing those disagreements, and I just remember that they're a person, and they have their own thoughts, their own feelings, and God created them for a specific purpose to glorify him, and that's how I have to come about it is knowing that God has made them for a purpose, and it's much bigger than anything that we'll, we will ever disagree about. And I think it's like humbling myself to them of knowing that, you know, they still have a point, and I shouldn't knock that point down mm-hmm. because I know that they are still a child of God. Mm-hmm. So,
2: hmm. I'm sitting next to a preacher over here. This is good <laughs> not to, you know. Inside another (laughs) issue. Yeah. Yeah. Rattle people's cages, but um, everybody has a story. Mm -hmm. Am I willing, am I patient enough to hear your story? Mm -hmm. There's a reason why you think the way you think. So just having an appreciation for that, having a respect for that, honoring a person
3: where they are on a particular topic, a particular issue. I still run into people who... You can have a reasonable dialogue with who have a differing a vastly differing opinion but when i more commonly run into people who have that vastly different opinion and they aren't open to a reasonable discussion they you know that if you start to lead out with your ideas or your differing opinion it's going to get hostile quick and i think second timothy uh informs how we should think about that he he Paul tells Timothy, you know, don't get into foolish controversies. Um, When you dialogue, tell the truth, but do it patiently. Endure evil. And I think you have to have an expectation. We have to start to change our expectations that people are going to hate us more and more. Even people that would claim the name of Christ are going to act as enemies towards us. And how do we love them? How What kind of commitment to Christ do we have? Are we going to follow him as he loved his enemies? Mm-hmm. That has been one of the most challenging passages uh, of Scripture for me for the last three or four years now, is 2 Timothy 2, uh, verse 22 and following, and just love your enemies. Patiently endure evil. Don't avoid evil. Mm-hmm. Don't ride people off. Don't retaliate. No, no. Patiently endure it. That is maybe one of the hardest things in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, Josh, to that point, what
2: I found is social media assassins. Mm-hmm. The cancelers Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know Cancel culture Mm -hmm. He's doing air quotes For those (laughs) at home (laughs) Yes 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 See it in your mind's eye Y'all But I find When I meet them In person That they're not So big and bad Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That there are avenues There are channels Where we can have Conversations Mm -hmm. And to your point Just maybe Knowing their viewpoints I'm prepared In that conversation To not be triggered Mm -hmm. Mm
1: Mm-hmm
0: Yeah, that's a good point because I think that it, or I should say it, it seems to me that a lot of us, we just don't, we're not practiced in having the right posture for conversations. Mm -hmm. Like I would say I had a a conversation with two different people about the COVID vaccine. One of them had a posture of being curious and I had Mm -hmm. gone into the conversation having read being fed videos and a few articles from both sides. And I'm talking about the polar sides, not just the like, well, we don't know if it's okay or whatever, but um, the whole like conspiracy theory on one end and the no get vaccinated and also wear a mask for the rest of your life kind of side. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So both ends of the spectrum. And I just felt like the one person was very like, okay, so tell me about this. And there were actually a couple of points in the conversation where she was like, Huh, I'd actually never thought of that. And that could be interesting. And and I could tell she wasn't like, so let me go out and get vaxxed, you know, mm-hmm. but it was just so kind of her to take that into consideration. Now then the guy in the conversation was he was much more like, Absolutely not, you know, it's ridiculous, you know, and even to the point where I've seen people on social media, and I'm talking like Christians here, refer to other people as morons and mm-hmm. like name calling, mm-hmm. which is like by any standard absolutely out of bounds for, for a Christian who's absolutely. supposed to be loving, loving yeah. enemies. And that's what's sad because we think of loving our enemies as loving that non-Christian person mm-hmm. who's hostile to Christianity itself. But mm-hmm. really, sometimes the application is more internal. Yeah, that's us. what
3: Paul tells Timothy. He says, correct your opponents with gentleness. So your opponent can be just anyone who disagrees with you. And mm-hmm. if you're not gentle, how is it that you're reflecting Christ in how you disagree? I don't even think the idea is to win. The idea is to, should be, to just be faithful in how you disagree.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember recently someone reached out to me on social media, and they're from a different religion, and... Um, I just remember they would started just, like, attacking certain things of what, what I believed personally. And I came back, and I gave verses as to why I believed what I believed, and they just started getting really upset. And I told them, I said, hey, I, you know, I just want to love you. I want to be your friend, and I just want to share that love that Christ has given me to you. And I don't think it's, I know that you're probably not going to ever agree with me right now, but I'm going to pray for your heart. And he, like, responded, and he was like, you know what? I'm I'm really sorry. I was getting really angry and it just it was my flesh. And I think that as like Christians, as like other people, we have to be able to call others out on that as well to say mm-hmm. like, you're getting really angry over an issue that we probably will never agree on. But I just think you shouldn't let your flesh overtake you and for you to sin.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it is so good. I mean, because again, referencing the digital space and social media and all that, it's given us too much of a platform to air opinions. And so I was thinking about this and I was like, yeah, why? I mean, it is actually freeing and okay to feel like I don't need to have an opinion on everything.
3: Or at least don't need to voice it.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where I was going to say, not not only do I not need to have an opinion, I certainly don't need to voice it if I don't want to, mm-hmm. or or to say that I adhere to it so strongly. I mean, it's like... You know, like I said, that list of 10 issues that I put out at, at my talk, there was really only one on there that I was like, yeah, I would probably be willing to debate this mm-hmm. or I'd probably be. Mm-hmm. Everything else is like, you know, the. <laughs> What, is there a biblical application of you do you? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I would talk, tell someone, you do you within the bounds of scripture. Within the bounds of scripture. I like that caveat. Yeah. There you go, having that caveat. But it is a tricky place, and it reminded me of um, the the verse Proverbs eighteen two that literally says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions. Mm-hmm. And I'm yeah. like, we need to just like stitch that on a pillow or if you need to put it on your laptop or you need to memorize it and whatever and I'm just like man that is so true that is a
3: precious moment
0: (laughs) exactly find some way to commit that to memory because it's such an important verse um Okay, so let's talk about practical strategies then for having some conversations around some of these issues. So say you are, these are friends from church, you're having a conversation, it kind of, you know, gets a little sideways or something, you know that you feel like they're kind of off on it or they're at least, you know, Charles, they're going on and on about the end times and you can't, (laughs) you're not getting to change the topic at all. What does it look like for you practically to... Weigh in with words, weigh in, you know, somehow with the conversation or deflect, or uh, how do you guys do that
3: well? Well, I think you might start out with a question of, uh, well, do you mind if I share some thoughts on that? Or uh, do you mind if I ask you a question about that? I think one of the things that often happens is once somebody gets out there with their opinion loudly and strongly, they're kind of shutting everyone else down to, offer a counter opinion. And so if you really want to dialogue with somebody and offer, um, you know, just have a disagreement, Mm -hmm. um, I would ask for permission Mm -hmm. just a little bit, you know, just say, Hey, do you mind if I, uh, share some thoughts I have on that? And if they're open to that, they've now granted you approval, so to speak, to share an opinion with them. Um, they gotta be willing to listen to a degree.
0: Yeah.
3: If someone is
2: emotional, like to the nth degree, Mm -hmm. I just won't engage, Mm -hmm. but I'll double back Mm -hmm. and come with a question. Mm -hmm. Hey, yesterday you were sharing your thoughts about this. You know, how did you come to that conclusion? Like what's, what's the story behind the passion that you showed me Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yesterday? Mm -hmm. So that's my first practical tip. If they're emotional, it's not necessarily the time to engage on that level.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Just like asking questions, getting to know like why they agree and believe, um like what they believe because that's what really what you get to like the root of people is asking questions, getting to know them personally and spending time with them. I think for me, I realized that even the people that I disagree with, like I want to spend time with them because I want to have a personal relationship where I know, man, I could probably much easily get um get upset with someone that I don't know, but if it's someone that's really close to me, I want to I want to respect them and I want to love them better. So, mm-hmm. I building personal relationships has been really big for me in just that aspect.
0: Yeah, that's good. I even think and, you know, weigh in with any other ideas that y'all have here. Um, I was just thinking of ways that we can kind of lead in this way or ways that we can kind of diffuse situations and two that came to mind are first of all, don't I need to not and please don't if you want to engage with me blast me with a bunch of videos and articles on your position. Like, I mean, I've had people send me like hour and a half long videos of debates and stuff like that. And like, well, you just need to watch this or you need to. And I'm just like that immediately like turns me off because they're just like, you poor errant soul, please watch all these videos and it'll change your mind. So that's... um that's kind of one thing that that comes to mind in that space and the other is be a person who is willing to on some level diversify your sources so if i know that you're going to argue a point and you have gotten all your info from some obscure news source or theological tome mm-hmm. or whatever <laughs> and you're not really praying you know i don't I, you're not accessing the spirit praying over stuff asking god to really inform you your your heart your mind your spirit You know that kind of is a turnoff to me as well
3: the renewing of the mind is happening more through social media and secular sources than the word of god for Mm -hmm. all of us and i just a while back had decided i'm not going to engage arguments over social media Mm -hmm. that's just a personal decision i don't want to get into it that way because people feel this freedom to speak bigger than they are and they get more violent more aggressive I don't even like doing it with friends over texts. It's got to be ideally face-to-face, but I'll settle for voice-to-voice over the phone. But I I think those are just some practical ways to avoid that.
2: Right. Sure.
3: Uh, And within the body of Christ, I think one of the questions that
2: I always fall back on, especially when debates or conversations or discussions start going down that emotional track is, so how's the Holy Spirit ministering to you? on this particular issue. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times I'll get blank stares. Mm-hmm. However, people who are engaged with the Holy Spirit and letting them govern their lives, they'll give you insightful information back and mm-hmm. insightful perspective of how the Holy Spirit is dealing. And it kind of just brings the emotional levels down. Mm-hmm. To say, hey, maybe I should be listening a little bit more to that still small voice yeah that, that's directing me.
0: That's good. Mm. I um, often like to direct people and it's not. I first saw it on social media. It's been attributed to everyone from Buddha to Socrates. I personally got it from Toby Mac. is a um, <laughs> <laughs> It was a meme that I saw that's three questions of anything when you're gonna speak or write or blast something out. and it's is it true? Is it necessary, and is it kind, mm. and if you run everything through that filter of like okay, is what i 'm saying true, and i 've verified it and I know whether it 's a scriptural source or whether it 's a news source or whatever, is it necessary? Does this need to be said right now? Is this going to edify people? Is this going to benefit and inform people in a way that really is necessary and then third, is it kind? Am I delivering it in a way that is honoring of the people that will read this and I think there are very few things that we want to put out there nowadays that can make it through all mm-hmm. of those filters. And so it's a great litmus test for kind of uh, making that happen. I I even like to say to people, and I have to check myself on this often too, when I, when I want to say something, because I'll sometimes want to just snap back with something or be whatever – I always say, if in my mind I'm attaching like hashtag boom, hashtag mic drop, <laughs> hashtag, <laughs> it's probably not the time for me to be saying that because my motive for saying Does it not meet third qualification. It's not, <laughs> not, yeah. To try to stick it to someone is not the best reason to be saying something. So
2: It's funny that you bring that up. So when people... Post pictures of their food. Mm-hmm. I want to respond. And it's not always going to be
3: winsome. Uh-huh. So that that's a great reminder. That's one of the greatest me. controversies in the church today. Yeah. Oh, clearly. <laughs> people.
0: Instagram filters. Are they too filtered? Are they not filtered oh, enough? What gosh. are people cutting out? What's real? What's not? So, well, you guys, this has been really fun. Thanks for weighing in on this. And, of course, there's more conversation to be had. Those of you listening, um, find us on social but is it true, is it necessary, is it kind be kind to everyone um, hit us up in our DMs or email us at editor at boundless.org and we'll keep the conversation going, thanks y'all.
2: Thanks for having us glad to be here
3: you my calm in the chaos my peace in the war you speak into the madness and tell me I'm yours tell me I'm
2: satisfy my soul
0: Well, hey, welcome to this week's culture segment here at The Boundless Show. And if you heard last week's show, you know that we talked to... Debra Falada, licensed professional counselor, national speaker, relationship expert, and friend to myself and The Boundless Show. Hey, Debra. Good to
4: be with you, Lisa. Good to have
0: you back. Um, All right, so because you don't just talk about one thing, we had to capture you on a couple different topics here. Today, we're actually going to talk around the themes of mental health and emotional health. And I mentioned that you are a a counselor. um, You... Talk to a lot of people on an individual level about these issues, um, but you actually put uh, some of your findings, some of your um, advice in a book titled, Are You Really Okay? Getting Real About Who You Are, How You're Doing, and Why It Matters. And so um, I think this is so great. We were talking before we started taping about how, really, the folks that we're talking to today, millennials, Gen Z, younger adults, are, you know, for their age really burning the candle at both ends, uh, dealing with higher rates of anxiety and depression than most other generations, and really feeling like they don't have the tools or, or to be equipped uh, to deal with it. And so... This is going to be a very helpful uh, conversation for us. So um, Deborah is the founder of truelovedates.com, is the author of numerous books, which we are linking to uh, within the descriptors for the show. So check them out. And like I said, we're talking right now about Are You Really Okay?, which is, I think, your latest book, right? Yeah, it is. Okay, good. So very timely, (laughs) uh, timely topic here. So All right. Well, as we start this conversation, um, I would like to kind of kick off with a question about, um, well, you say, you know, you're very, uh, you're a strong advocate for being honest about our struggles, but why would you say, I I think, I, I don't know if we're, maybe we do deceive ourselves into thinking that we're better off than we really are, or maybe we'll have those moments where we're like, okay, maybe I'm not okay, but... Everyone else seems okay, so maybe I'm just making this up or <laughs> yeah. where do you think like how where does this generation sit when it comes to and, and even as individuals really self-assessing like where how am I doing right now?
4: I I always say that you're not as healthy as you think you are. And maybe that sounds like an intense statement, but <laughs> I'm kind of intense. <laughs> so, you know, I there was a study that they did Some social scientists called the better than average effect. And basically what they did was they asked people to describe how they're doing morally, how kind they are compared to their peers, how good of a driver they are compared to the people they know. And the majority of people rated themselves as better than average. Hmm. So they're like, maybe this is like a socioeconomic status thing. Maybe people in the suburbs just think they're better than average. Because you can't have the majority thinking they're better than average. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mathematically <laughs> make sense. Uh-huh. So they're like, let's try this with prisoners. They ask prisoners to tell them, how do you think you are morally? How do you think you are? You know? And prisoners even rated themselves all as better than average. Hmm. So we have a tendency to see ourselves as better than we are. Not only that, but I think with this generation and social media, we are wired to see ourselves and present ourselves as better than we are. When you look at our Instagram feed, it's all our highlights. Mm -hmm. It's the things we're doing well. Even our authenticity is curated. Like I'm going to share some of my struggles in a curated way where I'm still in control and you kind of see this Nice picture of my struggles. And I think sometimes we're so used to curating these little snapshots that we forget that there's so much more going on underneath the surface. We don't stop to really take inventory of how we're doing mm-hmm. emotionally, mentally, spiritually, even physically.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: And we we think we're doing okay until we're not. Yeah. Until something seriously breaks down. Until we have a panic attack. Until we make a bad choice until we mess up morally or what have you i mean we 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 keep plowing through until we can't anymore and my hope is that this message helps us to back up and ask am i really okay in mm-hmm. this season like let me prematurely ask that question yeah. and take inventory of how i'm doing
0: seems to me like we're almost afraid to ask that question because we don't want to know the answer. So we instead uh, fill our time with busyness. We try to take on more stuff. We try to prove our worth through a bunch of different avenues. I mean, and and obviously social media has played into that too. I mean, I've mentioned numerous times on the show how I'm so frustrated with myself about social media usage because I always say, I mean, how many experts have we had? I'm looking at John through our window here of the booth. Experts talking about, like, you know, how you take sabbaticals from social media, how you don't let your phone control you, how you don't. I still can't stand in line at the grocery store without checking my phone. I cannot be with myself for three minutes without being all caught up. In, and I think I'm being efficient, but right. I'm just being super weird and addicted to communication, affirmation from random likes and random notifications and stuff. And it's just. It's completely nutty. Um, you mentioned, and I would love for you to just kind of share a little bit about this because we're not on Instagram, so you have to be real here, Debra. Um, you referenced panic attacks, and I know that you yourself even experienced a panic attack. What, you know, everyone here is going to be like, How, why, why would she have a panic attack? She's like a therapist. She should know about all this kind of stuff and look for signs and all this, you know, whatnot. Um, talk to us a little bit about what that was like and kind of what it revealed about yourself.
4: Yeah, You know, therapists are not immune to emotional and mental struggles, just like doctors aren't immune to getting sick. You know, it's just part of life. And for me, it was a sign of my underlying emotional distress. Years ago, I had been through a a really traumatic miscarriage where I almost lost my life. But when you go through that, when you go through trauma, it doesn't have to be a miscarriage. It can be any type of trauma. When you go through trauma, you're in survival mode. You're not there to solve the problem. You're there to survive. Just like when a soldier goes off to war, they're there to... They're surviving this really horrific thing. And then when they come back and things are safe and secure, that's when trauma begins to rear its head. Mm -hmm. That's when the effects of trauma start uh, impacting our life. And the same thing happened with me a few years later when life was good and things were calm and secure and safe. That's when that trauma started to come up and impact me. I would start feeling anxious. What a panic attack is, is a physical manifestation of emotional distress. Mm -hmm. So things are actually happening physically. Like you start sweating. You feel like you can't breathe. You you might feel like your body starts to tingle or your body feels really hot. Um, There's a lot of different signs. You can feel lightheaded or like you're going to pass out. These physical things happen. A lot of times people rush straight to the emergency room thinking something is happening with their body, and it is. Mm -hmm. But when they do all the tests, everything's perfect. It's just there's a lot of emotions underneath the surface. And human beings are kind of like a volcano. You know, we've had an especially difficult 2020, right? And we're still kind of reeling from that. But if you think about it, there's so many emotions going on underneath the surface. All these things that we're struggling with and experiencing. And like you said, we like to stay superficial. We like to keep ourselves distracted. But if we don't start dealing with those emotions, that stress, we don't start identifying and naming those emotions The pressure is going to start to build. And just like a volcano, they come up and find the point of least resistance and you will experience an emotional explosion. Mm -hmm. For me, it was a panic attack. But for other people, it might look like depression or withdrawal, or relationship issues, or sex struggles. I mean, it could be so many different things. Mm-hmm. But underneath, that's what we've got to figure out what's going on underneath the surface. Yeah. And I want you to actually,
0: I want us to spend a couple minutes here talking about, um, you say a lot of present emotional struggles really are tied to things in our past. And are you know, I want you to talk about how We can even figure out what those are. But before we do that, I just want you to quickly, so that we can understand for the purpose of the rest of the conversation, give us a quick distinction of the difference between emotional and mental health, just so people know what we're talking about as far as terms.
4: Yeah, when I talk about emotional health, I'm really talking about our ability to understand our emotions, to identify them, to express them and then not to allow them to control us. So it's kind of like our emotional IQ. When I talk about mental health, I'm talking about everything from our thoughts, all the way to our chemical makeup. You know, when things are off in our body, like dopamine and serotonin, it can have an impact on what we feel and how we think and cause things like depression, anxiety, panic, OCD, PTSD, all of these diagnoses that actually affect how our brain functions. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would categorize as our mental health.
0: Okay, good. All right. So let's talk a little bit about someone who realizes that maybe where they are right now is not, they're not maybe in a good place, or maybe they're just sensing something's off, but they really can't pin it on anything. Or they just know like again, getting back to relationships. Well, I'm starting to date this guy or I wanna date and get married, but I feel like have I really have I really examined who I am as a person, my past, kind of where I've come out of. What's your recommendation for even starting to get a temperature on where this is?
4: Yeah. I I think figuring out how healthy you are can sound like a huge <laughs> task. Like yeah. where do I even start? I don't know. But We take the time to go to the doctor and get physical checkups, right? We put it in our calendar. We do it even if we don't want to do it. But how often do we stop and get emotional checkups, spiritual checkups, mental checkups? And one of the reasons I wrote this book is because I want to guide you, the reader, to figuring out how healthy you are in these areas. Where do I even begin? Well, let's start by taking inventory of your emotional health. How do you express your emotions? What things from the past impact your emotions from today? What patterns have been passed down to you with regard to how you express your emotions? Well, what about your mental health? Do you have any flawed ways of thinking that you don't even recognize like black and white thinking or catastrophizing or, you know, maybe underlying anxiety? A lot of people that come to me for relationship advice where they they call it Um, dating anxiety Mm -hmm. is actually undiagnosed clinical anxiety. It's Mm -hmm. just manifesting through dating eh? because usually anxiety manifests through the biggest decisions, the biggest things that are happening in our life right now and hops from one thing to the next. So taking inventory of our mental health really has a huge effect on even our relationships in the long run. Mm -hmm. So where do you begin? This is exactly what I want to help you with. And When I wrote this book, I wanted to make sure it wasn't just you reading my story. At the end of every chapter, there are interactive questions to help guide you through the process, step by step of taking inventory of each one of these areas and journaling along the way. I think research has shown us that expressive journaling has a huge role in our emotional and mental health. In fact, they took a group of people who are struggling with anger And had them express their emotions in a journal, whereas the control group wasn't allowed to express themselves in a a Mm. journal. And they measured their heart rate, their temperature, their blood pressure. And the people who just wrote things down with no other intervention had a significant decrease in their emotional distress. So Mm. it just goes to show you when we begin interacting with this stuff, we begin to get healthier in the process. It begins to lose it's power over us.
0: Yeah. What would you say, you know, you mentioned, and and definitely, again, you know, we want to encourage you uh, to get the book, because like she said, there's going to be questions in there helps to kind of get you started. But give us a couple examples, Deborah, of the questions, like, like a person like just foundationally, what are a couple good questions that people should start asking themselves right now?
4: When you come visit me in my counseling office, one of the first things I'm going to have you do is a timeline of events from childhood to today that have shaped you high and low you know things that have impacted you significantly things that you would say were defining moments in your life because those are the things that begin to shape our mental and emotional health those experiences begin to shape the patterns that we carry on the way that we learn to do things the things that we learn from our family of origin many times becomes our norm you talked, um, I think it was in the last episode, about passivity and how you kind of learned the passivity that was passed down to you without even realizing it. Mm-hmm. And that's why writing this stuff down, starting to make... Take inventory of these patterns. Another thing I'll have you do is a genogram. A genogram is like a family tree, but instead of looking at relationships, we're looking at character qualities and traits of each person in our family, the things that may have been passed down to us, so that we can begin the process of really facing who we are and what we want to pass down to the next generation. Yeah, that's
0: good. Because it's so funny. And I see this even in myself, you know, although I tell myself, I'm not going to be this way. But I'm like, you know, if everyone else would just behave properly, like it would be so much easier. <laughs> like, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with me, of course. It's just everyone else that's kind of like, you know, cramping my style. And like, if they would just do the right thing, then okay, then I'd be able to handle it. But that's so ridiculous. You know, we're only responsible for ourselves. Yeah, we have to be willing to walk forward in that.
4: And not only that, but when we have no role, in the situation we also have no control I think it's scarier to have no role because then I can't do anything about it I am at the mercy of the people around me versus when I take ownership then I can begin to make a change then Mm. I can take back control yeah
0: Okay. Also, um, let's talk a little bit about uh, depression and anxiety, because we talked at the the front end of just how, you know, generationally there are so many listening right now who, who are struggling with that. And I think sometimes we're a little too cavalier about it in referring to someone as, oh that's just their personality or they're just an Eeyore or they're just, you know, glass half empty and stuff. But this is, I mean, you're talking about, when you're talking about dopamine and we're talking about physiological things that people have to come to grips with, be able to recognize. um, What would you say, what are are good first steps there or, or maybe some revealing questions or things when it's like, this isn't just a bad day or a bad week. This is something that um, I'm I'm going to get caught up in pretty quickly if I don't move forward and get help.
4: Let's talk about depression for a minute. You know, depression isn't just feeling sad. It comes with other experiences that begin to impact your life. Things like all of a sudden you're feeling fatigue and a lack of energy. You're not, you're not able to concentrate the way that you used to. Maybe your appetite changes. Either you can't eat, you're not hungry like you used to be, or you eat more than you should. You might find some changes in your sleep. You might find changes in your desire. You're not looking forward to things like you used to. I think sometimes we, we think of depression as just sitting around crying in bed for days, but that's not necessarily it. Sometimes it's irritability and anger, you know, and different things that we don't recognize. And the other thing people need to know is you need to experience these things for two weeks in order to, to be considered for a depression diagnosis. I think sometimes people tolerate these symptoms a lot longer than two hmm. weeks mm-hmm. and without ever trying to get to the root. Sometimes the root is life and stress and situations. Other times the root is dealing with our past and, and maybe trauma or wounds that we haven't dealt with. Other times the root is a hormonal imbalance. Sometimes it's a little bit of each And so these things actually begin to impact our brain chemistry. They change the chemistry inside of us so that when our dopamine and serotonin levels are off, it impacts everything. And I think where we struggle is sometimes as Christians, it's like, well, maybe I just need to read the Bible more or have more faith or, you know, pray more about this. And of course, all of that stuff is so important, but if we really are dealing with a chemical change in our body, um, we need to approach it with physical solutions, with mental health solutions, not just spiritual solutions, if we really want to get better. And so I think we need to change this conversation and start seeing mental health issues Like an illness of the brain, just like we see cancer as an illness of the body or diabetes as a illness of your endocrine system. You know, we've got to start seeing mental health in the same way.
0: Yeah. Let's just um, flip the script quickly here um, in the last few minutes we have, because I would like you to speak to. Us um, both identifying and then relating to this in others as well, because sometimes you know maybe we're like going after it in our life, and we feel like you know we're in a we're in a good spot. We're, we've got people in our lives, we're getting the help we need. But then maybe we're dating someone, and we need to ask questions, or maybe it's a family member, and their life is touching ours, or it could be um, you know a coworker or something, and we immediately go into this role of well. I don't want to be judgmental, I don't want to judge. jump the gun, I don't want to be tell them what I think they need or whatever, but what does it look like to be a supportive person and a caring person and, quite frankly, a careful person when it comes to dating and moving forward in a serious relationship um, in dealing with these issues and others?
4: You know, I think it's important for us to be open and honest when we're having these conversations. I think you're right. You do have to be careful not to be judgmental. So you never want to put words in somebody's mouth about how you think they're feeling Mm. or what you think they need to do. But coming to somebody with a genuine heart of concern and asking questions is the best place to start. So rather than telling them what they need to do, asking them, Mm. hey, how are you doing these days? Is there anything you're struggling with? Is there something I can be praying for you about? I've noticed that you're not as interested as as you used to be in hanging out or getting together. Maybe you're not going to the gym as much as you used to. What's going on? Is everything okay? And learning to ask those questions, letting them lead the way in conversation. I think sometimes because we don't know how to handle it, we just kind of disappear or we we have a hands-off approach altogether. Instead of asking those important, caring, open-ended questions that help that person begin to talk and share about what's really going on on the inside. And, you know, if you are in a relationship with someone who is seriously struggling and maybe they don't even realize how seriously they're struggling, my advice to you would be to continue showing up for them. Be there for them. Just like you would if you know somebody is going through a physical illness. Send texts. Offer to drop off a meal. Take them out. You know, help them with their to-do list. Show up for them. Uh, Now, if you're in a dating relationship with somebody who is struggling, I would give you different advice. Because the goal here is for each of you to become as healthy as possible. And if someone's not dealing with their mental health issues that's a dangerous sign. You know, we we can't let these things fester. I think a lot of times we assume that time's going to heal all wounds, but it doesn't, especially with mental health issues. When left to themselves, the wounds of mental and emotional health will actually just fester and get infected with time. So if you're in a dating relationship with somebody who's struggling and not getting the help, You need to get your community involved. You need to get your church involved. You can't be the person that saves and rescues them. But you can be somebody that brings encouragement and invites the community to come into their life and, you know, help them get to a better place.
0: Yeah, and that's good, because obviously the last thing you want to do is find yourself or volunteer yourself as their therapist, right. as their fixer, as their, oh, well, I'll just take the, the hit for you for everything that's going on. I mean, they need to be able to um, to get the help that they need. That's good.
4: And it doesn't disqualify those of us who struggle with anxiety and depression from dating. I mean, I mm-hmm. I was struggling with depression when I met John. He didn't know that right away. I didn't mm-hmm. reveal that the first date. But I was in the process of healing, of being intentional about getting myself to a better place. I wasn't just passively drowning in it. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. It's not the presence of mental illness. It's how am I navigating mental illness? Yeah, for sure. Well, folks, the book is Are You Really
0: Okay? We've been talking with Deborah Falada, a friend of Boundless here, and uh, certainly full of a lot of great information, but there's much more in the book. So, Uh, just like we talked about this last week, this book we have available for you here at Boundless. And so you just go uh, to boundless.org to this episode, you're going to see the book cover there, you click on it, you give a gift of any amount to Boundless, whatever you can afford, it does not matter. And we're going to send this book to you in return. And so make sure you get a copy of it. This is something that you should probably read. Then if you have someone you need to pass it along to or get a copy for them, make sure you do that. Maybe get it for a group of your friends and you guys can all talk through how you can do exactly what deborah was saying be a support to one another be there for one another ensure that uh, each other are getting the help that they need and being willing to be honest and transparent about this because that is what the body of christ does and so deborah thanks again for being here this week and just shedding light on these issues and helping us move just that next step forward
4: to healing and wholeness thank you so much for having me lisa These hands do nothing
1: until you compel me These feet go nowhere until you propel me My heart is bare until your spirit rushes through This life is nothing without you I've reached the end of what my sight can show me Searching now I finally found the truth This life is nothing without you
2: Let your
0: All right, everyone, Lisa Anderson finishing out the show with our inbox, and uh, it's always cool when we can answer one of your questions, and this one's kind of uh, unique, and I'm actually going to have the opportunity to answer this one this week, so here it is. Uh, Our listener says, I was reading a Boundless article titled, I don't want to marry, so why should I? And much of it rang true. I've never really dated up to this point in my life because I was more focused on undergrad and grad school and getting a job. Until my mid-20s, it never really bothered me. Lately, though, I've been feeling societal pressure to start dating, but I've never really felt drawn to marriage or to parenthood. At the same time, I don't want to be losing out on something God wants for my life and fully experiencing the gift of marriage either. I've tried online dating sites, and the church I attend doesn't really offer small groups with people my age. I'm trying to serve God in my singleness, but the pressure to date sometimes makes me feel lonely and confused. Any advice or resources you'd recommend to sort this out would be greatly appreciated. Well, cool. And thanks so much for writing in. And this is kind of one of those like, wow, there's a lot of questions wrapped up in here. Um... And a lot of things for which I think you're looking for answers, which you might not have like specific answers for. So, that said, definitely some direction to give you here. So, first of all, I just want to say, you know, you are okay. Um, It is, there is nothing in your question that would make me think. oh my goodness you are just you know you're you're blind to certain things you are you know ignoring certain things you've got a bad attitude about this i mean you clearly are wanting to serve God in your singleness while wanting to be open to marriage, but you're kind of like, I don't know if that's really my jam. I don't know how I feel. And so, I mean, you may even be asking yourself, do I have the gift of singleness if, if I'm in this space? And you know what? You may. And if you do, that is great. Or you just might be in a season and a longer season, and it may be forever, of just being like, Maybe marriage isn't going to be for you and parenthood be for you. And so, again, um, I don't think we have to stress about it. You know, we we can definitely see how in Proverbs, uh, you know, I I love that scripture that says, a man plans his course, but the Lord directs his steps. I mean, ultimately, God's going to move you in the direction God wants to move you. And you don't need to dig in your heels or overanalyze something to know what he's asking you to do now if not if you if you don't have the gift of singleness and if ultimately you're not going to remain single forever that's totally okay too i mean god is not wasting you your life or your time by not having you marry and i i appreciate how you really are embracing like i want to be great right in the season i'm in and i want to honor god and serve god in singleness and so i think that is is fabulous one thing i would encourage you because again you're saying you feel a little bit of pressure and a little bit of an you know as an outsider in this season of life make sure that you are finding and really um getting to know other happy single christian friends okay not the ones that are Debbie Downers who were like, Oh, woe is me, I'm never going to get married. But those ones who, who really, you know, to help you alleviate the pressure, are happy, are open handed about their uh, singleness are maybe willing to be married kind of in that same boat that you are. But meanwhile, they're just going about their business and, uh, and are in a good spot with that. Um, they're, you know, they're really plugging into life. And I think that's a good place to be. And then, take that next step with everything you can do. So so for example, if you don't have anything to respond to, if, if guys aren't asking you out or you're not in a good spot right now to be dating, whatever, don't fret about it. Again, God could change your circumstances. But if a good, solid, quality guy comes along, don't overanalyze and be like, well, I haven't quite worked out if I feel like I'm into marriage right now or into parenthood. I mean, again, be willing to just date guys get to know them be willing to have conversations and see where it goes again all you are responsible for is taking that next step you're not responsible for crafting the entire course of your life let god do that and so again i just want you to be willing to chill not get stressed out Don't cave to the pressure. I mean, hello, I am still single. I've had a lot of pressure in my life to get married. I have done, quote unquote, everything I can do in order to move the needle in that space. And uh, you know what? God is the one who knows my story, who is in charge of my story, and who can complete my story. And I have to be willing to rest in that. And I hope you do, too. All right. Well, that is it for this week's show. We do want to hear from you. And one thing we love it uh, when you do is if you pop over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review, whether you are a longtime listener to the show or a brand new listener, if this show is meaningful to you and you have fun listening to it and you get something out of it, we would love it if you would leave us a review there. And uh, that's a great way for other people who are checking the show out to maybe get some confidence uh, to give it a try and give it a listen. So uh, if you would do that, that would be fabulous. Meanwhile, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show.
2: The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.